Hello and welcome to the Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and I'm so pleased to welcome as our guest again, Scott Schutte. Over the last 35 plus years, Scott has served in leadership roles with Fresh Time, Sprouts, and Bosch's. He's been recognized as Produce Retailer of the Year, Specialty Food Retailer of the Year, and he has been so kind to be a regular on this podcast and share his perspective on all kinds of executive topics from managing across divisions to developing the annual budget to writing the ad and many, many more. Today, our topic is meal solutions merchandising. So we're exploring how retailers can get creative to help shoppers answer that classic what's for dinner question and solve for other occasions as well, whether that's date night, whether that's snacks, uh, fill in the blank. Considering foot traffic as you plan how to help shoppers while on that journey is one of the subtopics, if you will, that I really enjoyed getting Scott's perspective on in this episode. So without further ado, I'll turn it over now to my conversation with Scott Schutte. So Scott, we talked last time about cross-merchandising, about produce pairings, and of course there's a lot of directions we can go with this. And so we didn't want to to leave off before we talked a little bit more about sort of meal solutions, merchandising and marketing, because of course, ultimately all these things that we sell individually are all going to be used together in a combination of ways. And so trying to help the shopper make those connections, of course, makes a lot of sense. And I think we've heard so much in recent years too about snacks becoming an increasing quote-unquote meal occasion right is like snacks are becoming a bigger part of kind of the overall food consumption pattern for a lot of people um i was looking at something the other day about just the you know the the number of households with kids and without kids and you think about it i know for for my family personally uh, as our girls get bigger and they need three square meals a day right but like when it was just my husband and I, things were a little more sporadic. You might find your own dinner or find your own lunch or, you know, just have, like you said, some cheese and some fruit and that will be breakfast or, you know, and so it's it's interesting too, because what we typically, you know, might think of as as meals can even be a lot simpler, you know, than, than we'd imagine sometimes. Absolutely. We can't forget about uh, our friends out there too, the the growers, shippers, and manufacturers of a lot of produce items that we carry. I know when I was perusing through websites and was able to check out Stemeltz or Shalon Fresh or even the Driscoll website, all the outstanding ideas that um, are there at your fingertips, either as a consumer or as a retailer, to be able to use to put some of those quick snacking ideas together mm-hmm. and really understand that, uh, you know, like example through that Driscoll um, advertisement on their website, being able to create um, some quick and easy snacks with a multitude of different berries that they have and a, a ton of fresh cheeses over at the cheese department that pair so perfectly with them. Um, it's a little bit of a change of pace for a lot of people. Maybe they think of a snack as a, a bag of Doritos, um, but um, upscaling your snack and probably making the, the snack a little bit more healthier. Um, the, the berries and the, uh, the, the, the creamy brie cheeses or the goat cheeses would be a, a perfect example of, you know, taking that quick and easy snack to another level or having something that's a little bit different 
um, uh, for changing gears as far as snacks go. Um, apples and pears are easily involved in that. You know, we talked earlier about, you know, how where, how well both of those categories pair with uh, some simple cheeses, like your basic cheddars and your basic Gouda cheeses and how fast and easy it is to slice a little bit of both up and create yourself a little, you know, apple slash cheese slash pear snack tray that uh, tastes great and is quite a bit healthier than that bag of Doritos. Well, and this is going to sound funny, but I'm glad you mentioned Doritos because, you know, earlier, I think in our, our last conversation, we were talking a little bit about how the opportunity for communicating really a, around, you know, highlighting those meal solutions is is so great right now because with inflation, you know, restaurants are just looking more expensive than ever if you're the average consumer, right? Because you're thinking, okay, you know, they've they've had to raise their prices because labor's more expensive, supplies are more expensive. I've got the tip on top of whatever the total bill is, right? So communicating about meal solutions as a grocer right now, prime time as far as that opportunity. And then same thing on the snacking side, real right? Because a lot of those center store items like the chips and the other things that, you know, probably we might want to enjoy occasionally, but probably shouldn't enjoy more than occasionally, the prices of those have all skyrocketed too. And so the opportunity to message around value for snacks, for healthier snacks and combination, that that seems like, and I know of course the grocer sells both. So I don't know how how closely you want to, you know, compare those directly, but you know, a good opportunity for produce there too, I think. Great opportunity for produce. We've got to remember that um, we're the merchants. We're the professional merchandisers in the store. We understand and know product placement very well, uh, but to be able to get some extra assistance from the marketing department on telling the story, on how quick and easy it is to create that fruit and cheese snack tray we just talked about, or even get a little farther advanced and talk about uh, you know, the nuts and bolts of what makes up a charcuterie, charcuterie tray, you know, and what's involved in making that and how you could take something that might sound a little bit intimidating and turn that into, again, you know, one of those uh, greatest hits items that you might, you know, bring to the dinner table or you might bring to the party or special occasion that you're having. And when it gets down to it, it's actually a pretty simple process and something pretty simple that anybody could help create. But having a marketing team that supplies and drives home a great, simple and easy how-to message and uh, really adds products that might be on promotion from different departments together and combines them, it sends a pretty strong message to the consumer that uh, do-it-yourself is definitely a possibility. Save some money because of the value of the promotion is a good possibility. And having a little bit of fun and excitement and a change of pace is also a big bonus too for the consumer. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, and we've talked about this some, you know, over gosh, probably over the years too, right? But any kind of education you do that's consumer facing also tends to help from an employee standpoint too, because you're you're opening their eyes to all these possibilities, them also, and they're they're probably your most powerful, you know, your most better than any signage or anything else you could put out Absolutely. there in terms of if they're thinking about these ideas and in these terms conversations with the shopper i mean that that's kind of the ultimate that's the ultimate win (laughs) that's the ultimate win they are the product spokes spokespeople 
um, out in the store, down in the trenches that uh, help also give some of those great ideas out to customers. And it gives them quite a bit of confidence too, when they have that knowledge backing them up and um, allows them to experiment a little bit themselves at home and find out uh, what tastes and pairs well together. But once you've got that knowledge, it never leaves you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it is amazing to me too, for, you know, for folks who are foodies, there are so many easy ways to make things taste really good. But then there's a lot of people who are not foodies. So if you can give, you know, even even things that seem really simple to, you know, folks in the industry, probably, you know, for so many consumers, that can really be eye opening, like, oh, wow, I didn't know I could throw the, you know, uh, name the item, right? The broccoli in the air fryer <laughs> with just salt and pepper and olive oil. And it tastes really good. You know, yeah. like it just the simplest of things. Again, using myself as the consumer template here, like it can really be game changing and you can you can help formulate some like new go to's for people. Absolutely. One of the important reminders for the the retailers out there listening is that uh, uh this type of marketing and this type of merchandising doesn't 100% of the time guarantee an extra sale or an additional sale. Um, it does create a ton of incremental sales. It's great for business, you know, right out of the gate. Um, but we can't forget about the fact of the subliminal message it leaves with the customer that stays with them for an awful long time. Mm-hmm. And this week, while they're shopping, um, that display might not resonate well with them. It might not impact them. It might not suggest for them to put those items into their basket for that particular shopping trip. Um, But 10 days down the road, when there's a birthday celebration coming up, um, your store, your organization is going to be well remembered when it comes to the time where they need some type of quick and easy uh, appetizer solution or a snack solution or dessert solution or whatever it might be. And uh, they're going to be first to remember some of those displays, some of the pairing ideas, some of the social media information, or maybe something they saw on an email blast or on the company website um, that you were promoting and advertising together and educating together as far as the food pairing goes. So the uh, effect or the impact of of great cross-merchandising and great food pairing Sometimes it's not instantaneously in store, um, but many of the times it's farther down the road where, you know, stores are reaping the benefit for that consumer that uh, was intrigued enough to remember what they read and thought that that was a great idea. They might have even um, clipped or bookmarked something or somehow put a placeholder mentally on your suggestive selling, whether it was uh, via merchandising or, as I said, through the efforts of the marketing team. So don't get discouraged right away. You know, this is a, uh, a practice that, uh, that that takes time to make it work. And uh, not like I said, 100% of the sales aren't instantaneously, uh, but they're going to be residual ripple effect type sales that uh, help boost your organization up quite a bit in the future. That's so well said, Scott, because it's it really... It really contributes, I think, to the establishing expertise, right? Is when, when, because like you said, somebody may be coming in the store and they're in a hurry. They're grabbing their normal things and they are out of there. But the next time they're thinking about oh, maybe do something a little bit different. 
oh, I remember they had a recipe up here for this. Or, well, I remember I saw that sign above the meat counter about how they'll season your fish for you, right? Or meat and seafood department. And those things come back, like you said, over time in different moments, because we have different occasions for different shopping trips, of course. And so it is, it's, it's the long game. And it's that, that whole goal of trying to be more than just the waypoint for the shopper on this is where I pick up the things that I actually want. And they just happen to be in this box to, Hey, this, this place can be a resource for me in these, these many goals that I have every day of trying to get dinner and trying to get healthier and all these different things. And we could really say the same thing for the team member also that, that uh, information and that knowledge and that little brief part of uh, being educated on a food pairing or a great cross-merchandising idea um, isn't just for today while they're working or this week while they're working. It's got to be that knowledge that sticks and stays with them for weeks to come. And they're going to be able to use it someday in helping a customer make that quick and easy decision on uh, the raspberries that are on sale right now and how easy it is to pair them with some of the fresh triple cream brie that happens to be on promotion too over in the cheese department right now. So there'll be a lot of that uh, uh, back and forth information that's shared between the consumer and the team member at the store that uh, will be there for weeks to come. Mm -hmm. And continuing a little further into meal solutions, I have come across some things recently that I thought were really interesting is like occasion solutions, sort of. I think you and I were speaking not too long ago about the Fresh Market came out with this. um, It's called the birthday in a box. And so it's got the cake, the ice cream, the cake from their bakery. So you get to pick, I think, one of three different options. And of course, they're all beautiful. And it's the cake, the ice cream. I think it's plate, candles and napkins or, or something along those lines. And then a tote that presumably you could take it to the office in or, you know, take it to the friend's house or whatever it is. And I thought, my goodness, that's, oh, and so so it's $50 or $40 if you're a loyalty card member. And I just thought that makes so much sense. And there's so many different occasions that you could, you know, do something similar for. I I just found that super, super cool. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a great idea. It's a wonderful concept. But what it also says to me is I don't remember seeing that type of option in retailers that I've been at 10 years ago, you know, five years ago, or even really last year. So I think there are a lot of new and exciting cross merchandising or food pairing type ideas or building a basket type ideas that are still out there and that are still being tested and experimented with and um, evolved into some really good programs like the one you just mentioned before. I know I see in print advertisements quite a bit um, some meal solutions from multiple departments that are being advertised or promoted together. Now, if you're fortunate enough or lucky enough to be at a retailer that has a very strong point of sale system and very strong technology, um, it really makes it easy to do a, you know, buy two, get one free, even if it comes from another department. Um, if your POS system isn't that robust, you might need to get a little bit more creative as far as how you put uh, plans together with, you know, promoting meal solutions. It might be the the buy one, get one free or the buy two, get one free or whatever it might be. But 
I've seen a lot of clever things happening out there in regards to that too. Um, one of my favorites for, you know, helping put together um, clever ideas like your birthday idea is um, uh, a concept that I've seen Albertsons doing quite a bit and the use of their refrigerated display cases in the front of the store are being dedicated to a lot of quick and easy um, accompaniments or pieces to a meal solution. And so the commitment is not 100% protein from the meat department. Um, it's really a combination of a bunch of different departments. And the examples I can think of, um, just trying to envision that case as I, as I walked in last week, um, a number of different packaged meat items that were still raw, they're, they're uncooked, um, but they were prepared and seasoned and ready to go to the grill or maybe ready to go to the oven. Um, the packages of kebabs, you know, that uh, were price point $5. Uh, the packaged of uh, a seasoned um, pork steak or a pork chop that was uh, ready to go again for the grill, seasoned and prepared, uh, but a $5 price point also. Um, I remember seeing some hamburger patties or a, a package of uh, really well-placed overwrapped tray hamburger patties that were the same thing that had a $5 price point on it. And um, you go a little bit farther around the corner and you start finding some of the accompaniments from other departments that are similar priced from that. I remember seeing a, a fresh uh, fruit bowl. The, a mixed fruit bowl, a value-added mixed fruit bowl in the refrigerated display case. It was a $5 price point. Um, the fresh guacamole that was a $5 price point. Um, the fresh chopped salsa that was a $5 price point. And uh, I guess the moral of the story there is, uh, you know, it, it doesn't take much to start picking some of these items out for that fast and easy idea at home. Uh, for preparing a meal. And they they did it by a price point of the $5 price point as far as being somewhat magical or somewhat consistent uh, for the price points on the items that were in that display. Now, you take it a little bit farther, um, I've seen it done to the extreme at other retailers where they're promoting a meal for $20 or less. And everything that's merchandised in that area adds up to what do you think about the uh, the package of ground beef uh, that's in the refrigerated case, the um, four packs of, of trimmed sweet corn that are in that display case, the hamburger buns that are on a you know a, a, a bumper display or a kickout spill display in front of the refrigerated case that are you know again a much lower price point. And um, I think, you know, some of the last items that that could end up with would be, you know, that salad kit that was also offered up there in that same area that, again, had a price point that was, you know, uh, under the $5 threshold. And when you start adding some of those key items up, you've got your meal solution, your hamburgers, your sweet corn on the cob and your your salad kit for that night. And you've got a meal for under $20. And that was the effort from that particular retailer is to make the consumer very aware of how easy it would be for a meal for under $20.
So I thought that was a clever idea that uh, uh, that retailer had used. But that doesn't top the uh, the birthday cake or the birthday <laughs> uh, surprise box idea and that concept. I think that there's uh, many of those type of ideas that are just waiting out there for somebody to uh, take to a new higher level and put together some programs and stick with them and uh, make customers continue coming back for more and talking to their friends, talking to their friends and their relatives and um, anybody else for that matter. Maybe it's somebody at work they have a great conversation with on how much they liked that particular program and uh, word of mouth and visibility on social media and the impact of what a a retailer's marketing campaign could do um, that uh, creates a long-lasting, very very strong program on meal solutions that, in a sense, are very well cross merchandise. Also, from uh, a standpoint of being able to display them together, and then ultimately being able to fill the grocery cart up together, or in this case, maybe it's a hand basket. Maybe it's that quick and easy grab and go, and it's everything that fits in that hand basket that's going to be dinner for that night. But it no longer just is one department. You know, it doesn't just have the grocery department and their spaghetti sauce and their their bag of dried spaghetti noodles. But it's got all these other great fresh ideas from the perishable departments that kind of come together and answer that question or better answer that question. What's for dinner tonight? Well, and to your point on um, the Fresh Market's uh, birthday box, I'm so glad you mentioned it's like the value of things that are cool and different and talking points, you know, because I saw they actually, they had in their in-store magazine, which is also online, they had this big spread on the birthday box and, you know, all the different things that go into it and, you know, the the fancy ice cream and the the cake made there in the bakery and the yeah, the, the value of having those things that people will talk about in those casual conversations, like you mentioned, that word of mouth, that's that's another powerful tool that sometimes gets lost in this day and age of, of so much social media and digital and all those kind of things. Um, but I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's important. I wanted to follow up on something else you said, which is some of this cross-merchandising, it sounds like it can be a lot easier when you have maybe digital signage or some of these things that are, are are coming of age a little bit right now what what have you seen in that in that regard oh you name it there's a lot of great uh you know great mechanisms out there that uh make things work but ultimately it really boils down to um once you do have that great marketing campaign and you've got some items or a selection of items that really click together and resonate well together and obviously, they're backed by strong, you know, promotional offers where that consumer is seeing an item that's interesting or that might be on the menu tonight. But they're also seeing that value equation that's tied to it um, and the momentum that both of those get together tied into the merchant's ability at store level to really put together um, from a visual standpoint a merchandising effort that uh, screams out those same things. Fun, exciting, creative, easy, um, and most of all, a value because of the big sale sign that's hanging over a lot of those items, if not all of them. Well, and another thing that came to my mind is you were talking about the the refrigerated cases with the different items in there all together. I thought that's probably 
you know, looking from kind of an overall grocery strategy standpoint a little bit too, that's the perfect kind of thing where, you know, you've got your meat, you've got, um, you know, your, your corn on the cob in the refrigerated section. Then you've got that, that bun display on the front. Like you said, that's the perfect time to put in your, your private label buns or something like that. Right. Where Absolutely. You get a little bit, a little bit higher profit and you, you put your own label out there and that sort of thing. So that, that can be leveraged in a lot of different ways, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's really a, a sign of the advancement of many retailers. Um, years ago, it was a challenge or a struggle for the produce department to get a refrigerated display case up at the front of the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a great place for traffic, a great place for quick and easy impulse sales, um, a great place for something as strong as the fresh berry category to be at. But today's day and age, it's changed a little bit. And not only is there a fresh refrigerated case up at the front of the store for the produce department, um, but there's also all the fresh partners that ride along with it. You know, the the fresh dips from the deli department that are up there, all the fresh protein and the meat items that um, are up there from that particular department and how they kind of live together in those refrigerated cases in harmony up at the front of the store and make kind of a, a, a great theme and a great piece of suggestive selling to the consumer that's able to kind of navigate through those three or four cold cases and see some of the different offerings from the different departments. But most of all, see how those offerings tie together from the different departments and how easy it is to pick up one or two from each case and having real solutions solved for the day. Uh, I know that uh, we talked a little bit about it on the last podcast, um, as far as merchandising locations of the store or maybe do's and don'ts of, you know, product placement or um, um, where good places are versus, um, you know, the dead zone or some of those type of ideas. But I keep coming back with that, uh, that same answer. Um, I really don't think that uh, there's any terrible place within the store for cross merchandising. Um, obviously, as a merchant, you want to be able to pinpoint and find the highest foot traffic areas of the store to be able to be involved in. Um, you want to be able to understand the foot traffic of your store as far as the entry door that the consumer comes in the most and really the shopping pattern or the map that the consumer makes as they're shopping through the store. And it's definitely key to have some cross merchandising efforts that are on that consumer pathway and you know, not off in some dark corner and not being noticed. But um, I think the sky is the limit for the opportunities out there to capitalize on different merchandising space um, throughout really the entire store. There's all kinds of great little ideas. There's all kinds of great concepts There's all kinds of great um, unproven practices that really need a chance right now to uh, determine if they are 100% successful or maybe they need some minor tweaks or minor adjustments for placement or location of that particular display in order to to really make it work. But I don't think there's any area of the store that's that's off-limit. Um, I also think that the size of the cross-merchandising effort or the food pairing effort um, doesn't necessarily have to be larger than life. Um, there are a lot of food pairing ideas that I've seen in the past or I've done in the past that have been very successful, but they've also been fairly small. 
I know we talked about, um, you know, that uh, bushel basket of the lemons that's over in front of the, the seafood case and how important that was not just to sell lemons, but to, you know, again, plant the seed on, you know, your fresh seafood item of the day and to make sure you're not forgetting about the lemon. But, you know, what about the um, the small basket of, of cosmic crisp apples, you know, that have become a fan favorite real quick that are over in the cheese department, in the cheese case, cleverly placed between the cheddar and the Gouda cheeses. And just a small basket, you know, we're not talking 300 pounds of apples or anything extreme, but we're talking a small enough basket that um, is able to keep the product fresh, um, to have a small sign on the product that really um, lets the consumer know a little bit about that cosmic crisp apple. And most of all, how well it pairs with uh, both cheeses on either side of that little apple basket. So you talk about, you know, a, a 20, 30 pound basket of, of apples, which is, you know, fairly good size, or maybe even something smaller around the 10 to 15 pound range, but something that will actually make a, a little bit of a statement over in the, the cheese department for a, a quick and easy food pairing that we talked about earlier. So um, moral of that story is, I guess there's, you know, no cross merchandising effort that's too small. Um, you just have to, again, trial and error, and experiment and test and um, be willing to be patient and be involved with the uh, the rest of the departments and the rest of the store. Well, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned, too, the the importance of understanding those traffic patterns, because it sounded like that one example you mentioned with the five dollar price points it sounded like there's cross merchandising intent there essentially, but it's just as the shopper kind of goes through the store and it's like, Ooh, $5. Ooh, $5. Ooh, that'd go well with that thing I saw back there. Right. No, great, great comment too, Ashley, because uh, the placement of these refrigerated cases and their $5 price point items were right in the middle of the super highway of consumer traffic that was coming through the store. And you could actually sit back and watch, the grocery carts as they navigated around and through these displays and looked at each of the cases and kind of made some mental plans in their head as far as what looked great, what was a great price point to them, and what was going to go good on whatever meal solution that they were looking for at that particular time. So yeah, it was definitely location being key. Um, foot traffic. I know you just mentioned that um just a second ago, but foot, tra foot traffic is so important to your, your food pairing efforts and your cross merchandising efforts. Um, when you pay attention to it, you really understand that you, you might be at a particular store, um, your home store where you work and notice that your mornings are fairly slow over in the produce department. There's not a lot, a lot of activity that happens, you know, between that six o'clock and 10 o'clock in the morning hours. And it might be four hours of kind of getting the department cleaned up, freshened up, rotated, called, retrimmed, whatever, um, and just really getting it ready for the day. Um, but you tend to forget how busy the other side of the store might be. And you might have one of those bakery departments or coffee bars um, drink bar locations on the other side of the store that just gets all kinds of foot traffic in the morning. Everybody that's on their way to work or that's on their way to school or um, whatever uh, their direction is, 
they tend to get a lot of folks coming in and grabbing, you know, some quick and easy in and out items from that side of the store, which in a lot of, uh, you know, grocery retailers, that might be the opposite side of the store from the produce department. And so to be able to take advantage of that, what's wrong with cross merchandising over in their department? You know, the, the small basket of single serve bananas that's on the, on the counter over there in front of the, the register at the, um, maybe it's the coffee bar or the, the bakery. Um, the same goes with single serve apples or, you know, some of those items that might be a fast and easy grab and go that would maybe pair with the, uh, the coffee and the drive in to work or, you know, maybe be one of the additions to um, breakfast that particular morning that somebody was picking up on the run. So always take advantage of cross merchandising where the foot traffic of the store is and where it has certain hours of the day. Um, that's an early morning example. The last podcast, if you remember, we gave uh, another great example of a, of a later evening example and that would be maybe that five to seven or five to eight o'clock rush that a lot of stores get, you know, where you've got the consumer coming in after work and trying to shop something sometimes very quickly for, you know, what's for dinner. Um, but to be able to have those, you know, bouquets of flowers strategically placed as the consumer is heading to the checkout or standing in line at the checkout and uh, waiting to check out and happens to see the the beautiful mobile display of grab and go flowers that are up there at that time. So again, where's the traffic at late in the day or later in the day, you know, that's a great way to find a place to merchandise. So. That's such a great point. I would not have even thought about thinking about the traffic being totally different at different segments of the day, but it makes complete sense. Yeah. It would be, you know, kind of like expecting to, um, you know, sell those fresh flower bouquets at six o'clock in the morning, you know, from the from the front register that maybe doesn't have a whole lot of, uh, you know, traffic or a whole lot of activity other than, you know, maybe some small ticket items or some smaller basket rings of some quick and easy sales. But to be there at a strategic time of day um, is uh, is the right place or the right thing to do. And it does take a little bit of effort, takes a little bit of training throughout department to department and uh, it definitely is one of those items that goes on the daily checklist to make sure that uh, you're following through on the best possible execution um, to make that a, um, a long-lasting program and just not a, a pain or a hassle for the store team members, um, but for them to wheel out that mobile display of fresh-cut flowers at three in the afternoon strategically place them in the right location where the traffic's at at that front primary register. But then at the end of the night, to be able to take that empty bouquet display to the back room and look at how many bouquets of flowers you just actually sold for that three or four hour effort that you made, that's the reward that the retailer is able to uh, actually see and uh, better understand. It's also a, a great uh, way for them to learn from if they made the right strategic merchandising decision or not, too, because if uh, they obviously didn't sell a single bouquet of flowers, maybe that customer traffic flow wasn't as great as they thought at that particular register. There's a maybe a better location in the store to to move it to and to make it work or to fine tune it a little bit. 
well, in my wheels are turning now on, you know, different things that would be appropriate different times of the day, right? Because the same spot that maybe you put the flowers toward the end of the day when people are coming in for to grab dinner and go home and, and be at the house, right? First thing in the morning, maybe they've forgotten something they need for work that day. And so you have the protein bars or the grab and go breakfast things in that same spot where you might have the flowers later in the day, right? Yeah. Or I've seen a lot of retailers that kind of rotate um, registers also. And there's uh, registers that are really built and merchandised and suited for morning business where they have those type of breakfast bars and protein bars and quick grab and go refrigerated uh, juice cases or displays that are in the front of the register. And then they migrate over to a different register later on in the day that becomes a prime register um, or a primary traffic area that uh, they're able to merchandise the hot out of the oven uh, baked bread, you know, that's popular towards that three to seven o'clock hour, along with, you know, the fresh bouquet mobile display that we talked about. And so they've taken advantage of of really rotating and using different registers that uh, make sense for their business. A lot of times the uh, morning register of choice that a retailer will use will be the one that's closest to the busiest part of the store. So it might be closest to the coffee bar. It might be closest to the juice bar of the bakery or that side of the store that's got a lot of the foot traffic or the business because strategically it needs to be in that location. And then later on in the day, as they start to get busier, they can redevelop or uh, redesignate a different register or different location that would really be optimum for that later in the day traffic or later in the day business. Maybe some of the the heavy shoppers that come in and have those massive full grocery carts full of uh, a week's worth of grocery and um, it might go to a different register. It might be a different time of day to, to rotate that also. Well, and it seems to me like the opportunity to sort of customize those lanes, as you mentioned, is is greater now than ever because you have self-checkout growing so much. So you you have the opportunity to say, hey, well, we used to have six lanes open all the time, but now we only need three, you know, three most of the time, four or five, some of the time, you know, during the peak times, one later in the evening. And so, like you said, you can really kind of purpose build those destinations. And then there's not as much labor involved switching during the day and walking back and forth and all those kind of things. Absolutely. And another great example that you just mentioned that really made me think was um, obviously, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, the self-checkout lanes did not exist. Yeah. Uh, well, they were just in the infancy stages at, at some of the retailers. But right now, what a, another great merchandising location for yeah. being able to put some fast and easy, quick grab and go items over in that location where the self-checkout's at. And it gives the uh, consumers a little bit of a chance that are in a hurry to, you know, do a quick grab and go or be able to pick up some of those items that might come from other departments and are cleverly cross-merchandised over in that uh, self-checkout zone or that self-checkout area that's being redesignated or redefined at many of the retailers in today's day and age. That's a great piece of real estate or it'd be a great location to optimize uh, some of the fresh produce items or a lot of items from other departments also. Awesome. Well, oh, I had one more thing I wanted to mention on on sort of the occasion-based marketing here on my list. I saw a sign recently and I thought this was so clever. Picnic-ready produce. 
So it's not that there's anything necessarily special. It's the value added, the fresh cut, the the same stuff, but it's just a different way to talk about it. And I thought, oh my gosh, for the middle of summer to call it picnic ready produce or just have another sign calling it out in a slightly different way. I thought, man, what a great example of just, you know, thinking about how these things are going to be used and calling that out specifically, I think. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, so powerful. And it's, it's like another it's nice limit with stuff like that, you know? Absolutely. It's another wonderful example too. And my thought automatically goes to um, the levels that a great marketing team at your retailer could actually take that to and how they could really um, through signage, uh, through all the other avenues that they have at their fingertips um, help tell that story on those picnic items and what would be considered picnic items from a lot of the departments. If you think about it, um, not only, you know, the different items from each of the departments, but how the different items from each of those departments kind of goes to complete a picnic. And maybe it's, uh, you know, we think of, uh, uh, a certain one kind of picnic. It might not be that way. Um, it could definitely be, you know, the picnic at the lake, versus the picnic at the park versus, um, a, I don't know, a hiking picnic or what, whatever the different type of picnic there might be um, to be able to help designate those items that are trending and are very popular for that type of activity for a quick and easy picnic. And um, I, I, I just think that's an outstanding idea right there for the marketing team just to have a, a heck of a good time uh, coming up with all kinds of fun things to talk about and to show the consumer when it comes to those picnic-related ideas. Um, that picnic theme's cool. I think that's really some endless possibilities right there to, to be able to focus on. And you know what? Um, from the produce standpoint, I mean, I, I just uh, came from the store yesterday and kind of reaped the benefits of being in prime peach season, prime nectarine season, prime cherry season, prime melon season and going into prime sweet corn season. I mean, we got so many items right there in those categories that would uh, fit the title of a great picnic item or a picnic themed item that uh, I, there's probably really good certain times of the year too, to hype that up and take advantage of it. And the theme picnic take to a new level for sure. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because when you mention different types of picnics, I was thinking back to the birthday in a box and different ways, you know, you could spin that ideas, that idea with different occasions. And I think last time we talked, I might've mentioned, I was thinking about anniversaries. So a lot of people get married in the summer, right? And prime time for produce, great weather outdoors. That one of your, one of your picnic baskets could be the anniversary picnic basket. You could get the bottle of wine in there. You could have the you know, the Deluso cheese and meat that are, are ready to go that you can just grab the bags. You can have the fruit merchandised and they're with it all together. And there you go. E easy for all the, the wives and husbands out there, you know, planning their, their little anniversary picnic. I, there's so many, so many cool opportunities. Just another great example, too, of how those thoughts and ideas that you're mentioning are going to stick in my head for a long time. And if I don't have that, uh, that June or July anniversary or occasion, um, I'm remembering how easy it is right now for the early spring anniversary that, that I have to be able to do something fun and exciting or later on when I'm on a fall picnic or, you know, maybe it's something to do with uh, um, 
a harvest festival or a pumpkin festival or something like that, how that same strategy and that same philosophy can apply to a lot of uh, different times a year um, just by the way you theme it and just by the way you label or brand it. Uh, but I think that's another cool and clever way to, uh, you know, to take food pairings and some cross merchandising and some meal solutions and kind of bundle them all up together and have some fun and excitement with them. And most of all, you know, let's get some sales to the front registers also at the same time. Absolutely. Well, one more thing, and then I'll, then I'll stop the wild train of uh, <laughs> cross merchandising ideas. But when you said fall, that made me think, okay, not just anniversaries dates and then you could have the cute little pumpkins that come out every fall as part of your little setup for your little fall date package where you've got you know all the different all the different items that you could throw into something like that it's like oh my gosh you know that that could be and the beautiful thing is right so many of these things are recurring so you can just sit down as your marketing team and your merchants and just go through the year and plan these out. And I mean, this is the kind of stuff, of course, Scott, that that you've done a ton of is you look at the span of the year and think, where are the occasions? Where's the supply, right? Like where are the, where are the times where maybe demand's a little lower? We want to do something to kind of ratchet it up. And you just think through how, you know, members of the team as people use food and occasions and it's it's just so neat the the unending possibilities as you can tell it gets it gets me excited thinking about it <laughs> yeah absolutely and uh, one thing that uh, is coming to mind for me is we've got to remember all those very unique and sometimes exclusive items that we have in the produce department um, that uh, are great to tie into themes of the year such as the uh, the picnic time of the year. Maybe it's a particular item or a particular local grower or something that uh, is special, kind of like almost a produce trademark or produce tradition for your organization to tie it into some of those special occasions or the special events out of the year and um, have it uh, earmarked by a customer just because it's uh, an exclusive item or it's uh, you know unique to your particular retailer and also that time of year. So again, endless possibilities. <laughs> uh, lots of great ideas brewing there. Well, that's the thing, Scott. I, I don't think I don't think we've uh, ever run out of things to talk about on cross merchandising, <laughs> meal solutions, marketing. So we'll wrap it up there because otherwise it could just go on infinitely. But <laughs> Thank you again for for all your expertise on this topic. I love brainstorming on on these things back and forth because it it truly is awesome. All the different possibilities that are out there. And you mentioned, you know, when whether it's, you know, digital signage that that makes a lot of this stuff easier to kind of change on the go. Some of these things that right. we'll probably see more of in the coming years. It's just it's fun to see it see it develop and and talk about where you know more possibilities where things can be going yeah i look forward to seeing those additional examples out there and some of the new ideas like that uh, birthday in a box concept taken to uh new and different levels out there also so it's uh fun to be part of as a consumer um, but as a, a retailer with a retailer hat on all the time um, it really intrigues me to see if I can possibly be part of coming up with the next birthday in a box or the next concept that's going to be um, something that uh, really resonates well with the consumer. But um, it really boils down to 
you can't uh, be the winner of that prize if you're not constantly playing the game. So um, getting out there and making that uh, conscious effort to be a great merchandiser with food pairings, uh, with items that uh, tie together and cross merchandise well together and uh, items that uh, promote and tell the story of Mill Solutions together are the ticket for additional sales. And um, while you've got the customers live in the store and uh, maybe your your e-commerce or your online business is declining a little bit, the trade-off would be you've got more footsteps in the store, hopefully, and take advantage of those footsteps while you have them by really um, optimizing and capitalizing on what we've just talked about in the last two podcasts. Back in the studio now, that was my conversation with Scott. Hopefully you agree that there were some excellent insights in there. Again, one of my favorite parts of the discussion was our back and forth on how traffic patterns throughout the day should inform cross-merchandising. Some great opportunities there, I believe. I want to thank Scott once more for sharing his expertise with us. And I want to thank you, our listeners, as well. I have one small favor to ask if you are learning from or otherwise enjoying the podcast. I sure would appreciate if you would rate and review. That helps me keep it rolling and continue to bring you conversations with incredibly knowledgeable folks like Scott. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week on the Produce Retail Podcast.